Hello, everybody. It's the Big Bopper. No, wait. It's it's Chapo. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Chapo for uh, the middle of the week. Um, it's uh, the usual cast of characters. A special guest joining us on the phone, Felix Biederman. Wow. Big get for us. Felix, how you doing? Uh, not bad. Um, you know, there are only a few types of people that work on their birthday. Santa Claus, the Columbine children, who are clones of Hitler, according to a theory that I'm developing. <laughs> Peter North, Brian Pumper, and that's really it. Oh, and uh, special operators, and me. Well, me, I'm working on my birthday, and I'm not in the studio today. The studio, which is Will's living room, uh, because I am waiting for the delivery of my personal gaming desktop computer uh i am waiting for this because once i get it we will be able to start work on the stream the stream where now it is one of two avenues one of only two avenues you can enjoy eminem obama content who will be playing fortnite with me and two of our friends including girlfriend haver the mickey ward of gaming in a spectacle that will do for Twitch streams what James Cameron did for action films. In addition, will be my playthroughs of Metal Gear Solid, Will's cooking show, Matt trying to play Age of Empires in Assassin's Creed, Virgil uh, trying to trying to make people think Overwatch is cool, even though it's kind of fucking for children, honestly. <laughs> Uh, all of this is we were, coming we were also, soon. We were also uh, batting around the idea of uh, sort of like a like a poker a poker night where we we play poker against our, our friends and fellow podcasters. I'm actually I'm I'm more of a more of like an Uno guy. <laughs> well, there'll be there'll be gambling involved. Um, I'm a little confused. You're waiting for your computer. When I get a computer, I just go to Best Buy, <laughs> and then they I bring it home, and it's the same day thing. How long have you been waiting for this goddamn computer? It I has been a, an incredibly arduous process, Felix. This is like you're waiting yeah, for the Messiah. You're a, bunch of, you're a bunch of fucking scrub. You're a bunch of fucking scrubs who play like lower than recommended, like have lower than recommended specifications for when you finally play Battlefield Five. It fucking melts your shitty AMD processor. I have to wait for a thing of beauty to be created. Matt has bought every computer in his life at a Midwestern supermarket. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt, has, Matt, has, Matt has the only AMD processor licensed by Kroger. <laughs> Matt, Matt goes to Kroger and leaves with uh, shopping, his groceries for the week, a new computer, and a new fit. New jeans, yeah. new shirt. Matt, Matt, Matt being someone's best man. Matt, someone like has Matt be their best man at this wedding. He's like, shit! What the fuck am I going to do? There's no Kroger here. Where am I going to get? That's where I always go for my tuxedos. Yo, Matt's running Windows 1895. <laughs> oh! No, Felix, this, uh, this, this fucking gaming PC that you've gotten, like, specifically crafted for you is like the hidden Mahdi or something. You know, when's it going to show up? Okay, it was supposed to come a week ago, but um, the people who work at the PC company... Um, I don't know what happened. Maybe one of them are like they did go on like an incel killing spree. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't. So you know, like STEM a personal people, computing company. Yes. You fucked up your yeah. order. Yeah. Well, it just took a long time because I ordered a very complicated machine. Yeah, it's tough to fuse the flashlight with the. 
CPU. <laughs> takes a lot of time to get that custom. It's interesting how I'm sacrificing for the show, yet I'm continually turned into a target of scorn. <laughs> well, I'm sitting. I'm. I'm like you know when this show comes out, everyone's gonna make fun of me for my shitty audio. Uh, I'm like literally. I'm doing something I never do, which is sit around my Xbox all day because I have to wait for this package. Yet I am somehow a target of ridicule and abuse right now. Well, we were just wondering, you know, I mean, I think the, I think our audience deserves to know why you're literally phoning it in today. But you know what? You have a legitimate excuse. It's your birthday. And yeah, you're waiting time. for your special computer. That's right. It's my special computer that I'm getting on my special day. Uh, I uh, have four computer- grown-ups. Uh, that computer is also for me. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm. I, I. I'm wishing you luck. I want the PC to get there because I'm looking forward to the Fortnite stream. I'm particularly looking forward to uh, Rage Face Wednesdays, which on Rage Face Wednesdays will be a feature. We are bringing back Rage Faces. Yeah, no, and we went on Monday when we had the uh, the the barbecue over at uh, Catherine's place. Uh, I did enjoy you explaining that to several people who like you know aren't as online poisoned as you are. And it was uh, pretty special. I'm pretty sure that they enjoyed Rage Faces and they just didn't remember them. I was jogging their memory. You were explaining Rage Faces to normals? (laughs) (laughs) What's to explain? There's a couple hot Durbinas at the barbecue. (laughs) Felix decided to sidle up to them and uh, doff his his cap to them. I've been really thinking a lot about if uh, Migos got really into Rage Comics. And they were like trying to get me a Drapina, Drapina. I'm in the club, lay me. This is uh, this is Felix. This is uh, inside the Genius Studio with Felix, hosted by James Lipton. Right now, we're getting a little insight into how some of these genius comedy characters are created. I think it's more of like a beautiful mind thing, like a guy who is tortured for his art. <laughs> you know, Russell Crow, Professor Russell Crowe's art was math. Mine is actual art. Well, I'm looking forward to the nude sprees like John Nash had when you're just running down the street naked. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, t- Twitch stream coming soon, soon, soon. Moving on. Uh, what else is hot um, in the news right now? I, uh, I, for one, I, I woke up this morning to uh, celebrate when I saw that um, friend of the show, Dinesh D'Souza, has just received an official presidential pardon from donald trump innocent free him now you can no longer reply to him online by reminding him that he's a convicted felon it's not true anymore it's yep. been voided he could finally get that job at walmart yeah we respect use, to dinesh we use the phrase fuck around and find out a lot i personally do what is more fucking around and finding out than defending this man who doesn't know you exist until he catches wind of you in hopes that you'll get a presidential pardon and it happens, that's fucking around and finding out. He fucking posted his way to a pardon. Yeah. yeah. This is unprecedented. This is, For posters, there. I don't know if you can do anything of a higher degree of difficulty than posting your way to a fucking pardon. I think he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. As, as tough as that is to say... Because he's such a jerk and a wad and a dork and a dingus. But God damn it, the man can post. You know what? Even though it may be basically June now, um, I'm taking out my flip tree 
I'm picking up my several flip trees and flipping them and putting them in my apartment <laughs> right now. It's the product everyone must have, and uh, it's Dinesh endorsed. Yeah, you know, I like I, this one. That, if you're uh, if you're a fan of the Dinesh D'Souza cinematic universe, you will remember the part in uh, the, the Real Racist, the Democrat Clan Files Three, the last film, when he goes into the room labeled Secret Racism Files, and right at the end. That's right at the end. It's the teasing the sequel. You see a little envelope that says Dinesh's pardon. So like for true fans who stayed past the credits, they knew this was coming. If he hadn't have been persecuted by uh, Obama's government and the uh, the big demon crap lie machine, he never would have gone to jail and got hip to the the hustle of how uh, how the how the racism crime mafia in America works by the gang leader at the halfway house he stayed out on the weekends, uh, told well, him how crime really works and that it's... Was it, was, wasn't it the opposite? Like, the guy was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm in here for a quintuple murder in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah. And, and Dinesh was like, I'll tell you a real way to murder people. It's abortion. And then he just, like, lectures him on how he could make more no, money no, uh, uh, being sle- a Democrat. Sleepy, Sleepy, the guy who was in the halfway house on the weekends of Dinesh was in there for uh, assassinating a federal judge and several witnesses. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he told Dinesh, he was like, listen, I'm going to tell you how crime really works. It's called Social Security, and it's a Ponzi scheme. I get all my homies in the gang. We roll, we, we roll them into the gang by getting them to sell Social Security to gullible retirees. And then they murdered them. <laughs> and then they killed them to 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 collect their benefits. Yeah. Oh god, I remember yeah. that. I can't wait for that to be turned into a concept album with Kanye. That's well, the next step. Well, that you mentioned Kanye, the hilarious part about the Dinesh D'Souza pardon is it came literally the day after Kim Kardashian visited the White House and had an oval office meeting with Donald Trump. We saw the photo. It was hysterical. He was grinning like an absolute goon. <laughs> okay. And, it was and, about and, prison reform. Yeah, no, ostensibly, Kim, Kim K visited the White House because, you know, she's got some credibility with uh, Trump now that her husband has jumped aboard the MAGA train. Uh, she went to the White House to talk to Donald about the issue of prison reform. And this one really ludicrous case of what we were just talking about earlier, it's like a woman who... Yeah, it's some woman with an absurdly long uh, sentence for drugs, like, yeah, like a some, life sentence for drug drug dealing, something yeah. just preposterous. Yeah, like back-to-back life sentences because she was caught with like an eighth of mids or something like that in a school zone, or something, something absurd like that. And I'd like to think that like Donald absorbed the fact that he's meeting with a celebrity... A big time celebrity and the issue of pardons and prison reform and just jumbled it together in his head to do celebrity pardons like The Apprentice. Because now he's saying he pardoned Dinesh. Yes. But also now he's saying he's going to retroactively pardon uh, Martha Martha Stewart Stewart. as well. And maybe, fingers crossed, Rod Blagojevich. Former Celebrity Apprentice. right about Rod Blagojevich. Yeah. Free my man. Uh, And of course, the resistance people are going in the fucking frenzy thinking well look what he's doing he's establishing a precedent because these guys are doing crimes about elections and and corruption just like he is by pardoning (laughs) them he's setting a precedent that he could get pardoned but it's not like he what like what are they thinking what do they think that means what what do they they think that he fucking would pardon blagojevich or or martha stewart would bind anyone in the future to be like well 
we were going to arrest you for hypercrime that you did with Russia, but you pardoned Rod Blagojevich, so we can't do that. It's yeah, just America's sweetheart. <laughs> America's sweetheart. To me, he is. I also I saw one of the uh, one of the guys from the Pod Save Network. One of the guys named John. I forgot which. <laughs> uh, I think they just assign that to you when you join. But uh, it was like yeah, they're like the guys in Buckaroo Bonsai. They're all John. Yeah. Um, it was uh, he just posted something like um, you know, this is a hard day. He's trying to break us. This is really difficult, and it's like. Who's we? What are you talking about? You mean like this thing where you read the news and get upset? Like, you think this, is, this is like the first time the president has like pardoned someone shitty. Like that's kind of what a re- every president does it. Republicans more so. Republicans prefer to pardon shitty people. That's more their favorite thing to do. But it's like it was the perfect like you know resistance thing to this because it's. A, just completely melodramatic. Like, I don't know how much longer I can read my news alerts about Donald Trump. (laughs) And B, it's just completely ahistorical, right? Like, there was no Iran-Contra pardons, for instance, which were, for as much of a piece of shit as Dinesh is, the Iran-Contra pardons were significantly more harmful actually, than any sense of norms or legality. I, I love Dinesh's crime because it was literally like using straw donors to go over the legal limit to donate to the campaign of someone who lost by 46%. Yeah. <laughs> just like who was just a friend of his yeah. or something. Mastermind. Like, yeah. Real friends. Don. How many of us? Whereas, yeah, as you said, the Iran Contra pardons were for like actual staggering crimes against, you know, not just the world, yeah. but the laws of the United States. Well, Bill Clinton pardoned Mark Rich. Yeah. And then later, his wife murdered their son, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> so it comes back to you, is my point. Yeah. Someone also brought this up in, in regards to Dinesh D'Souza. Um, it never came, it, like, it was part of the like sentencing. Like, his first wife has alleged that he was physically abusive throughout their entire marriage. So. Uh-huh. That's another thing to keep in mind about Dinesh D'Souza. Like, he, his face looks like what his soul is. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so last night we played bar trivia, and we, we had, uh, I, I like to think, an amusing and relevant team name. Yeah, it I was, thought of it. You, all right, you thought of it. It was my idea. Okay, well, it was a riff on, on a, an earlier concept draft that I had pitched, but it was... Uh, the team name was Melania died on the way to her home planet. Okay. <laughs> and that got it. You know, they, they read the team names and the scores and that got a you know decent laugh yeah. from the crowd. We were sitting next to a team of aggressive normies. There was like it was like 10 of them. It was so, a, well, frankly, it was okay, too first large of a all, team. You shouldn't allow that. Bar, many bar trivia, five person max. That, per team. Most places Thank have absurd. A, most places inf- enforce that rule, by the way. You might as well just let people check their phones while the trivia yeah, is going. It's on. absurd. Like, yeah. Chaos. Uh, we were a team of aggressive normies, and their name, their team name was, and I, this is from memory here. Can you believe Kim Kardashian met the president in the White House? Yeah, and that got a huge laugh Everyone from the went entire crazy. bar. Everyone went crazy. That's not oh, a joke. Man. Oh man, that's the absence of a joke. Yeah, that's just a reference to something that happened. That's yeah. not a joke. Yeah, but I mean, the reaction to that really does prove. 
how or it shows how people are watching all of these objectively terrible late night current affairs shows that have no jokes but people don't really care about jokes they just want someone to say that fucking trump and they and they yep. get they get off on that uh, they just they want to hear it from someone on television well what i realized and i said this to matt was that we live in a time where comedians are telling us the news <laughs> and <laughs> reporters are telling us jokes god damn um, if if i was there i think i would have upstaged the normie team with one of my uh classic internet style team names like a real joke that you don't know where it's going but when it hits you it hits you check this out uh dr aids and the diarrhea boys (laughs) (laughs) when they hear that they'll be like what what's this guy smoking and can i get some well uh matt brought up the uh the you know cultural tundra that is like late night political talk show television yeah but uh, I mean, like that—that that brings us to the other the other news of the week that was like you know getting like a cavity filled. It felt like to read about it was all the the Roseanne bullshit oh, about Roseanne getting canceled by ABC. And then today, like it just goes to shit. Like like everything is this idiotic like tit for tat in terms of enforcing like who you can and like can't make fun of or insult in the media or in comedy. And today, uh, Samantha B on her dreadful fucking show apparently called Ivanka Trump a cunt last night and now it's like everyone's demand like you know the, the Republicans are trying to demand her she get fired yeah. just to like sort of even the score with Roseanne and what I'll say about that is like Samantha B calling Ivanka Trump a cunt really just does show that like I think comedy that just states objective facts isn't funny and she should try harder well the thing is they don't have to try harder it's it's too easy but I honestly would take the deal Fire all of them. Well, they, well, they were, like they, people are like, well, what about Bill Maher? Good, fire Bill Maher. Well, Samantha B. Fire Samantha B. Fire Seth Meyers. This is fire the most controversial thing I could say about this topic. Bill Maher is funny than literally every other liberal late night host. This is not a compliment to Bill Maher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he is better than all of them because Bill Maher actually does tell a joke with like a setup and tension and then a punchline. Yeah. Omar for he may tell a joke where the punchline is literally uh, that's like OJ Simpson teaching anger management classes in 2018. <laughs> but uh, as opposed to Seth Meyers or uh, Samantha B where the punchline is like here's an alternative fact for you, your spray tan. It's like I, I see someone is working here and someone is not. Hey, don't sleep on Jordan Klepper. Oh, yeah. No, Jordan Klepper, the sort of rising star of late night. Jordan Klepper is, you know, for true fans of the snark existence. <laughs> keep your eye out for the opposition. Do you, remember the Colbert? Do you remember the Colbert Report? Okay, yeah. imagine if the Colbert Report was made by somebody recovering from a severe brain injury. Let's just say there's a reason why the opposition is on at 1130. Put your kids to bed because it's gonna get snarky. <laughs> well, what's so crazy is is that it is it was an attempt. To, it was a conscious attempt to do a Colbert rapport for the for the for the Trump era. So if if Colbert was spoofing Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly yeah. and, and Fox News pundits, they were gonna do the more like extreme paranoia. Yeah. But they don't even like commit to the bit no. at all. It's just the exact same jokes that Trevor Noah does. 
Oh, it's well, the, it's the, the same thing. There's yeah. no consistent uh, presentation of you, anything. Okay, you watch them back to back, and when something in the news happens like Kim Kardashian meeting Donald Trump, that is just the, the headline story on both shows, and the jokes are identical. Yes. So you're, there's no the show is redundant. There's no reason to watch both of them. You're getting the same bullshit each time. Oh, yes. Hold on. Uh, Can I try to produce a Trevor Noah joke about the Kim Kardashian and Trump meeting? Do it. Okay, this is I have not seen a Daily Show clip in about a year and a half, but this is me attempting his style. I'm not going to try the accent again. I'm too tired, but here we go. Um, Kim Kardashian met with Donald Trump today. This was the first time that Kim wasn't the biggest boob in the selfie. <laughs> Swish. It's just of the net. Oh my god! It just occurred to me that we've talked before on the show about how the Achilles' heel of conservative comedy is that they get too mad about the premises in the middle of it to actually do a punchline, and they've not the the Trump's election has infected liberals with that, and now they're in the same thing where they're just so mad about the Cheeto in chief that they just can't even be bothered to craft jokes because they're just they're just always angry about it. Okay, hey, Donald here- Trump met with Kim Kardashian today. Did that stupid bitch give you any kafifi, you Russian gay man? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the problem with the opposition. They want to do the update of the Colbert Report concept, but to do that today, you would have to just play a Nazi. That's it. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. I'm serious. That <laughs> would be the actual sincere version of uh, uh, that concept it would be way too a, much of a high wire say, that would actually uh, be a pretty hysterical show oh, well, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, would way, it would be way Connor too hard O'Malley did it. it it would be way well, too hard charlie chaplin did it <laughs> connor o'malley did like a pilot where he's like a fail guy like auditioning for alex jones basically and does his own show and it's oh, amazing yeah, i remember that that was really funny what? yeah because connor o'malley gets what is funny and pathetic but also terrifying about those guys oh and these the, the the only thing that's these guys notice about alt right guys like the the uh, liberal media comedians the only thing they notice is that they're not as smart yeah. as they are yeah that's literally the only thing that's funny about them to them but uh, yeah you know I I also think the inherent problem with trying to satirize Alex Jones for these people is like. Alex Jones is a significantly better entertainer than anyone doing a late night comedy show now. Oh, anyone absolutely significantly more gifted broadcaster. And he's much more entertaining to watch than literally any of them. Yeah. His impressions are on point. Uh, His charisma is off the charts. Takes his shirt off. Yeah. It's like, it's easy to do. It's easier to do like, for Stephen Colbert to do Bill O'Reilly, like there's Bill O'Reilly isn't charismatic. He was just tall and like racist in the right way. But Alex Jones is like a force of nature. Yeah. And they also these guys, you know, they're just too cool. Their whole thing is that they're cool. And, and as a result, they can't they could never debase themselves to the degree that you'd have to to really embody sort of the lumpen id of of the right-wing media matt can you read those opposition tweets you showed me last night oh okay. no okay right. you know you got to hear this felix oh fuck me dude okay yep. this is really good uh shout out to a friend of the show uh jesse farrar bronze hammer for finding these uh 
these are a series of quotes. This is these are jokes that this went through. This is a joke that was on the opposition, and it was I guess I didn't see the show, but there were three different versions of it put online in different tweets. The first one is just, and this is about the Roseanne thing. The first one is just, sorry, ABC. The First Amendment guarantees everyone a sitcom. Uh huh. So uh. now, and that is. That is in the voice of a conservative, right? That is in the voice of someone who is mad that Roseanne got fired. But this is. But he can't. He he can't even get like the tonality right. Like, well, he wouldn't be saying sorry. Like, he would be mad. Right. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. He can only do the snarky lib thing. Of, sorry, ABC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So he can't get. Uh, you, just dude. a reminder that yeah. the Constitution guarantees everyone a sitcom. Yeah. So then there's another. There's a quote. I think this might have been from the show. I don't know, but it was on a tweet here. Sorry, ABC, but the First Amendment grants everyone in America the right to a sitcom. Clunkier, more words, always better. And sure, it doesn't have to be on ABC. Maybe it'll go to whatever the white nationalist version of Roku is. The white nationalist version of Roku. Roku is a device. Yes. It's not a network. It's a device. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, you're right about that. A Roku is a device. It is not a fucking. Hey, how about this? The white nationalist version of Roku. What is that? Raikou? <laughs> oh, Here's the thing about that. Go. That's let's not go. a joke. That's the schematic of a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's forcing you to make the actual joke. A white nationalist version of TV. You know, think about it. Use your heads. That's funny, right? Yeah. That's not actually completing the joke. Uh, yeah. A white nationalist version of TV. What is that? Zyklon TV? That's giving <laughs> oh, someone yeah, a, a, a blueprint of a house and saying, go live there. Yeah. What was the one you had? You had a joke, right? Oh, I had a good one. Okay. Uh, the white nationalist version of uh, TV would be uh, Turner Diaries Broadcasting Network. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> oh, that's that's good. good. That's actually a joke. And then this is the final form of that joke when it's been turned into a meme where it's 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 font on his stupid face. Oh, rage comic. Uh, fear not, Roseanne fans. Another network will pick it up. Probably whatever the MAGA version of Hulu is. Again, not a joke. Not a joke. At least Hulu That's is like a literally fucking content. something that could happen. <laughs> if it's uh, not particularly like out there that there would be a m- Fuck you, yeah, we'd get kicked, picked up by, like, Sinclair Broadcasting. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> or honestly. One America Network. These things exist. The concept of a white nationalist television station exists. Yeah. The NRA hey, has a hey, network. Hey, you stupid bitch. What are you... What? Don't worry. You're going to go on a show done by Dave Rubin. <laughs> Boom! But the, there, is, there is an attempt to sort of tease out the joke the way that uh, Virgil was suggesting. Stick it right in between anti-immigrant cheers... And an all-white version of Friends, also known as Friends. Finally, that's, the, act, that's the first that thing. That's the actual joke. Finally, nailed Friends for that. No one has pointed <laughs> that out ever before. I cannot believe it took till 2018 to the, do that. Holy shit, man! Wait, wait, hang on. The anti-immigrant version of Cheers isn't Cheers set at an Irish bar? Yeah, it's in Boston. Yeah, that's already yeah. the great <laughs> And didn't uh, didn't Cliff go on to be a big uh, right wing? He is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Although George Wentz is a Bernie guy. Well, George Wentz. I mean, come on. He's he, he's he's the nicest guy there he, is. He's a mensch. Yeah. yeah. Again, oh. not a joke. The anti-immigrant version of Cheers. That's grasping towards a joke, but it's not a joke. Yeah. I think. I mean, this is obviously very petty to make fun of these jokes, but I just think it speaks to just the 
brutally parched landscape of America's culture now because of the fact that everything and everyone can only reflect on one man who is the stupidest idiot oaf of all time. And how do you not become stupider by spending all time contemplating that person? How, how would it ever make you smarter or more incisive to just have this fucking Macy's balloon filled with cheese whiz floating over your fucking head every moment of every day? It's only going to make you dumber. And that's what's happening to all of us. Uh, I think, you know, it's not the job of late night comedians to tell the truth. Jake Tapper should call Ivanka Trump a cunt. Okay. <laughs> Should be on the, George Stephanopoulos should drop the C-bomb on her to her face in an interview. Imagine Jim Acosta in the White House uh, press pool and he's staring down Sarah Huckabee Sanders and he goes, ma'am, with all due respect, I would like to shoot this stupid cunt daughter of the president in the head with a shotgun. <laughs> that would I'm not saying I would approve of him either saying or doing that, but it's like, you know. Then we could finally bring Craig Kilborn back. Finally, <laughs> please. Oh, man, a simpler time. And But by the end of the Daily Show's run, it had become an institution that treated itself very seriously. So it mattered that yes. it was on television and that it was commenting on the news. It was holding politicians accountable. Yes. They believed that. Yes, they rallied to restore sanity. Meanwhile, every time John McCain came on The Daily Show, he got his ass kissed yes um, i gotta say uh, as much as we um degrade humiliate and just outright command to sort of leap to their own dooms the fans uh and as much as we yell at them for this type of thing uh thank you honestly for like telling me I look like shit on Instagram or being like, you already told that joke or like you suck. I don't like listening to the show. I listen to every week. You're a piece of shit. Uh, you're wrong about this because if you keep saying that we're good, we will, it's just the journey for any entertainer. You will become like the daily show and just become too self-important. And we will replace ourselves with a comedian, like a bunch of, comedians from commonwealth countries you've never heard of that will make it even worse i, I well, feel like you're, you're certainly doing your part um by you know inaugurating this fortnight twitch stream which will just be hours of you know you and your friends doing sort of like clever mispronunciations that would make the zodiac killer and no one else laugh uh, i think a lot of people like like <laughs> this stuff do you don't think it's funny when like you just continually say the word sucker for no reason <laughs> i i want to give a minority report there and say I only want sycophancy from the fans. I want no negative <laughs> okay. feedback whatsoever, and I will continue to disregard all negative feedback. Thank yeah, I'm, I'm with Virgil on that one. That's 100%. because both of you, both of your fantasies are to be interviewed 30 years from now and to be say something like, you know, I don't think we knew exactly what we were doing when we were doing <laughs> it, but we had an idea. <laughs> what are you talking about? I did that interview last week. <laughs> 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 no, my yeah, yeah, my goal is in 30 years to have a Ken Burns style documentary Ooh. about us where it's like slow panning shots over our tweets being read by Morgan Freeman. Oh wait, no, not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in 30 years there won't be any celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Can, there's just going to be one there's going to be one very friendly AI robot voice 
that doesn't that has any genitals, so he doesn't get in trouble, and he and he is the voice <laughs> of everything. Well, uh, before we, um, you know, go go too all in on our our packets that we're submitting for <laughs> the Comedy yeah, Central yeah. and uh, ABC, and entertaining you, the listener, with jokes that are intentionally awful and bad. Uh, why don't we, Why don't we go to a a, a different avenue uh, to talk about a, a little, little project, a little treat that uh, we have for you, uh, courtesy of Virgil Texas, who, as you know, is our political wonk, our, our elections wonk, our in-house Frank Luntz. <laughs> and now we get even more as a as a as a more uh, as a as a more mysterious Jeff Greenfield. I consider him more like uh, Dick Morris, but only in one aspect. <laughs> uh, you know it. We, yeah. Uh, uh, foot, foot, foot wonk. Virgil, Virgil's oh, that's, foot that's wonk. redundant. Yeah. <laughs> All wonks are feet, guys. Election um, correspondent Cuck Todd. Yeah. Um, no, but we can now add uh, polling wonk. To your to your resume, Virgil. Why don't you Why don't you explain this to us? Cards Against Humanity, the uh, fun meme card game that we all love and play <laughs> all the time before and after recording every episode of the show, in uh, has been doing monthly polls uh, with a, a an actual uh, survey uh, scientific survey firm, and they invited us to collaborate with them on uh, last month's poll, and we have the results in. This was a sample size of eight hundred, and the theme was. Conspiracy theories, which obviously we're all in the thrall of. Uh, I should have brought my computer or something because the results are on a computer. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> well done. This Let's is go. First, first craft, I looked at first my no, on the way out of my home. I looked worker. at my computer and I and I thought I I wanted to do something with this, but I I don't have time to masturbate. I've got to go to Will's house and do it there. Okay. That's a that's a joke. I don't masturbate. <laughs> as long as you stay in the bathroom, I don't know what you're doing in there. It could be anything. He calls it playing Overwatch. Here are some of the interesting results from the poll. All right, hear it. Hit All right, it. hit it. Young people are far less likely to believe that Russia interfered with the 2016 election than old people. Makes sense. They watch less cable news. Yes. One in five Democrats who say that Russia interfered in the election support military action against Russia. <laughs> what? Let's go. Also, one in five self-described moderates. <laughs> I think we're not moderate that is inaugurating the age of flesh-melting destruction. 41% think it is at least somewhat likely that the U.S. will be invaded by a foreign power in the next decade. What the fuck are these people? 41% of who? Of, of, of all respondents? Yes. Of all Who's respondents? invading the United States? Including 54% of women. Who do they think is invading the United States? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, it would, have to be, it would have to be like either China or Russia, or like the only real. Uh, Russia had no chance. Yeah. No chance. And the, th the thing is, it's like we have, we, have, we have three times as many aircraft carriers as any other country. We have like 11 aircraft carriers. The next closest has, I think, like two or three. There's no. It's absurd. Unless it's going to be Ru Canada, Russia, unless they do some, like a suicide maple syrup attack, it's not. Russia happening. has some uh, really cool nukes and some actually pretty amazing artillery systems. Like in some ways, better than ours, but in general, is like a great big radio shack where there's a raccoon that sort of acts as a de facto manager. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: there's no connection between Russia and the U.S. except 
between Kamchatka and Alaska. Fifty-one <laughs> percent of Republicans believe the United States has the right to help overthrow governments that are hostile to American interests. Thirty-eight percent of Democrats say the same. Thirty-eight oh, percent of Democrats. Ah, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh man, we are I was going to say like one. Well, I thought that number would be low for Republicans, but yeah, uh, yeah, thirty-eight. That sounds about right. Forty percent do not of Americans do not believe that the U.S. has interfered with the democratic elections of other nations in the past, <laughs> including thirty-six percent of Democrats. Twenty percent think Russia interfered with the election, and that the U.S. has not interfered with democratic elections of other nations in the past. Just to be clear, Virgil, you you these are questions that you submitted that you wanted pulled. Some of these I submitted. Yeah. Okay. 23% believe that Russia interfered with the election and that the U.S. does have the right to overthrow governments that are hostile to American interests. Now we get on to the fun ones. The Parkland shooting. I had to know this. I had to know what percentage of Republicans believe it's a false flag. Surprisingly low. One in ten self-described strong conservatives believe the Parkland shooting was staged and the survivors were paid actors. Nine percent of Republicans overall. That's not too many. Not, not, many. not too it's many, like, but I mean, the question I need to have answered is of those strong conservatives or of Republicans overall, if given the opportunity to, would you spank David Hogg? <laughs> or if given the opportunity to, would you take David Hogg behind the woodshed? If given the opportunity and you found him alone in the locker room, what would you do to David Hogg? Well, you know what this says? If we had like a, a, a if our election system were a list system, like in Germany, it means there'd be 20 people in Congress uh, on the uh, false flag ticket. On yeah. the Hog Spankers Alliance. The Hog Spanking Caucus. <laughs> 79% of Republicans believe there is a deep state conspiracy to undermine Trump. 14 <laughs> of those think Parkland was a false flag. So 79% yes. of Republicans think there's a deep state conspiracy to unseat Donald Trump. Which, which is interesting. I, 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 maybe five years ago, that number would be shocking. But my eyes just glazed over. Yeah, it. no, that doesn't. Of course, seem, they're yeah. all insane swine. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the only way to make sense of the fact uh, of the facts of him and his myriad astounding corruptions and everything. It's like, well, yeah, it's the they're, 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 they're like the people thought OJ didn't do it. Because the, oh they planted that bloody love. It's like oh the FBI is making them look like an incredibly corrupt piece of shit. All right, fifty nine percent of Americans believe common sense is more important than science in deciding whether something is true, including seventy percent of senior citizens and fifty three percent of Democrats. <laughs> common sense, that lump, the thing we know and love. Now here's the question that I, I really wanted in the poll. Uh, it's an open response. Just tell me. What percentage of the country do you believe is currently under Sharia law? Half of the respondents either refused to answer or did not know. Because they didn't know what it was. One yeah, in three everyone gave knows a number, it's half the country. One in three gave a number higher than zero. <laughs> and the average of non-zero responses was three. I love that. 3%. Like, I, I mean, it's not too bad yet. I'd say about 3%. But 3% of the country is under Sharia law. The median response was 13%. And I think the median is more important when dealing with something like this. So when you see a conservative, you know, like a, a T-Cod MAGA chud uh, whine about Sharia law, chances are that person believes something in the neighborhood of 10 to 20% of the country is under Sharia law currently. 13% of America would be like if you added it all together, it would be larger than most of the countries in the world. One list, one individual between the ages of 18 and 24 answered 69%. So shout, yeah, shout out to that listener. Wasn't, didn't you find out, wasn't you ask some questions about 9-11? About 
No, no, no. Those got cut. Oh, oh, they got cut. Because I'm interested in that because I find at this point, I'm thinking about it because of the the recent news from the Harvard study that said that somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,600 people were killed in the aftermath of uh, last year's hurricane in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And how that's just not a thing anyone talks about. It's like, yeah, that happened. And I just think about how 9-11 was like 3,000 people and we were willing to spend all the money and kill everyone to make up for it and make sure it never happened again. Well, because it's not a body count calculation. That's the thing. It's the spectacle of it. Yeah, no, that's true. And but right, it, it's also it's also like you can't get really mad at a hurricane. You can't like uh, get righteously angry and swear a cool vendetta against a hurricane. Yeah, but we're, the, we're gonna invade Cape Verde. Verde, but it did. Damn it! Cut that. It did give. Uh, it did give me some sympathy for nine eleven truthers because a lot with a lot of conspiracy theories, even if the particulars of the thing they believe are absurd in some way and not supported by evidence. They're expressing in the way that they can some sort of deeper knowledge, something, some conviction they have that is unspoken. And I think for the 9-11 conspiracy theorists, it's that the government will kill any all of you and doesn't care about you at all. Yeah. Like they'll drop bodies, American citizens, without the blink of an eye. And, and that's exactly what happened Puerto in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is the object. It's the object fucking yeah. lesson because these people, because Trump, Trump was like, only, only 60 people died. It's phenomenal. It's a miracle. And those are the people who, you know, had a fucking telephone pole go through their chest because of the wind or, or got drowned or something. The, the, almost the entirety of these people are people who, because of lack of access to medicine or electricity or clean, or water. clean water, died. That is all on the government. And it means nothing. It figures into no calculations. No one will be held accountable for it. Oh, no. And that is like the thing. That's the truth that is unspoken that people who who think about 9-11 shit are try, kind of grasping towards, even if they can only really think in these terms of you know uh, intrigues and, and conspiracies that they see in movies and shit. But the real thing that they're getting at and that we see here is that they'll fucking drop your bodies and they do not give a shit. None of it matters. Your deaths mean nothing to them. I... Uh... I wanted to talk about this article. Uh, I flagged it last week because it made me so fucking angry. And uh, I banked it away. And I'd like to, to bring it up now. Uh, this was in the New York Times headline. Concerned by Trump, some Republicans quietly align with Democrats. Oh, God, that one. Yeah, uh, this is. Uh, I think we're all going to be OK, guys. This is uh, checking in on the, uh, the resistance. This is by Kenneth P. Vogel writing last week. And the article begins, since Donald J. Trump began dominating American politics more than two years ago, Democrats concerned about his policies and behavior have taken solace in a group of influential Republicans who have consistently assailed the president as anathema to the values of their party and the country more broadly. Who are these people who have consistently assailed Donald Trump? They've assailed him because they don't like him, but... Have they ever made the case that any like they agree with ninety eight percent of his policies? Uh, honestly, it, it really is none. Yeah, a few of them will say that when he goes too far in his language, and that that's not who we are. But there's very few of them who have taken any kind of stance against any specific policy position, from yeah. the Muslim ban to the wall to uh, increasing, uh, changing the. Uh, rules of engagement in Iraq and Syria to increase civilian casualties. 
none of it has gotten any specific pushback. It's all just, it's all in the language. It's all in the realm of rhetoric. That's what they don't like. They don't like the way he talks. Yeah, he's, uh, so they go, in the past year, however, influential liberal donors and operatives have gone from cheering these so-called never-Trump Republicans to quietly working with and even funding them. Through invitation-only emails and private off-the-record meetings, they have formed a loose network of cross-partisan alliances aimed at helping neutralize President Trump and preventing others from capitalizing on weaknesses in the political system that they say he has exploited. How, what, have, what have they done so far to neutralize President Donald Trump? They passed his tax cut. They owned him through that. Uh, because they did it sarcastically. I, I, no, they, he's not been he's not been imposed in any meaningful way by anybody in the. Republican I mean, it's like it, like Jeff Flake will say things like the presidency has been degraded. Yeah, but again, he agrees with everything Trump is doing. Yeah, they all like, vote. They all this vote is, this, for I mean, this is this is the, the McCain paradox. Yeah. You know, like how can you stand? Like McCain is supposed to stand in for like the lost, the the forgotten man in our politics who like uh, represents what our government was, you know, before it's been made sort of cheap and tawdry by Trump. And also I think by implication, people mean Obama as well, because remember like the big knock on Obama originally was that he was a celebrity. Yeah. He didn't have enough experience. Um, but at the same time, you know, Trump and his, you know, wretched daughter, uh, who is now his like, you know, appointed surrogate in the media, all they do is just defend not, they don't defend Trump, but they defend the right wing more broadly from, everything that they do and say and are responsible for. You know for. what the real knock on him is and the real thing that they, they probably are aggrieved about is that Trump is a bungler who is squandering an historic moment for the Republican Party right now. Unemployment is the lowest it's been in a decade. Any other Republican president right now would have an approval rating upwards of 60%. And they would be taking full credit for the economic recovery that began under Obama. Trump has stacked his administration with backbiting, leaking imbeciles. He has never initiated a single major legislative push. All of that comes from the Congress, the Congress that, that Ryan and McConnell set in motion. He has no political capitalist, man. He's really done nothing except whatever evil things you can do by executive order. I mean, okay, outside of the tax bill, name a single major piece of legislation from this Congress. I don't, I mean, the tax bill is what they wanted to do. I don't think this Congress particularly. They blew it on Obamacare, but I mean, haven't we had this conversation before that the Republican Party's problem is always going to be passing legislation, no matter what kind of a majority they have, because their actual fiscal vision is so absolutely unappealing but what they can do is what trump and the republican party has done which is to pass this piece of shit tax bill that has like uh visible cuts for enough people that they can then point to their paycheck the little bit extra that's in their paycheck and then point to the dow and go see we did the deal with the economy and you know what's really upsetting is how many people that's going to work for because holy shit, are you seeing those midterm polls tighten? I don't know if I'm fully in Matt's camp, but uh, here's the interesting postscript for this article. Here's the interesting postscript for all these fucking uh, never Trump bloodsuckers that the Democrats are aligning with. 
How quickly are these people going to ingratiate themselves back into the Republican camp if the Republicans retain the House this fall? Just yeah. probably as quickly as you would have seen them stab Hillary in the back if she had become president. These same people that supposedly align themselves with her against Trump. That's true. I think what I think what Virgil gets at is is that the real problem is that that the question of losing the house is even on the table given the economic situation. Mm. They really should be in a thing where well we'll lose probably lose seats because you, you always lose seats in an off term. Oh yeah. You know, nothing that we can't handle. We have enough of a but now they actually they might not and I have bet money that they won't lose the house but it's actually on the table and that's all on Trump being an oaf, tweeting all the time, being gross, having all the corruption, all the stuff. He, he is a millstone on their neck just as this figurehead and that but is you the don't, problem. You don't think that any other Republican would be too, like Ted Cruz? Is, what breathtaking charisma that Ted Cruz? Yeah, but they has. wouldn't need what it. Do, I'm saying is that he goes out of his way by being himself yeah. to drag down his approval ratings in a way that even a just gelatinous toad like Ted Cruz wouldn't. Because what do you mean? Thing, dra- what, do, what do you mean? Drag them down? They're as low. They're pretty much consistently as low as they've always been through his election, through everything. Like. Pretty much a static amount of people, give or take a few points, fucking hate him. I mean, okay, you guys know the Philip K. Dick story, The Golden Man? Love it. One of my favorites. You know what I love about The Golden Man? The Golden Man, to me, is about how it is sort of impossible to accurately predict the future. Because, in effect, you are predicting what the thing that will succeed you will be based on what you know about yourself and the world. And how could you predict the thing that will succeed you and in some way defeat you based on what you know your limitations are and what you know the limitations of the world are? It would have to be something that would go above and beyond and beside everything that you ever conceived of. And it would exist in this way that you would almost think it was this sort of backwards organism until it finds a way to succeed you. And that's Trump. Trump is the golden man because he's a purely instinctual creature for all those years under Obama. The thing was like, Oh, we need to, the Republicans need to find a guy who connects with Latinos and young voters. And they'll never do that. And it's like, no, actually they don't. They need a guy who maximizes his return among like the, uh, who they already have. But his power is like accurately in some ways, beating down and like making the making his democratic opponents look like shit in this way that causes the people that he supposedly has to win over it just causes them not to vote and add into that existing voter suppression and everything else and the calculus that you have for like you know how is he going to do in the midterm how like is he dragging himself down i don't think it applies in the same way the fact is like if it's at this point in the game and we've been hearing for months and months and months, oh, they're going to get fucking slaughtered in the midterm. And then say they like lose the House by like a sliver. Like it's just a slight majority for Democrats and they retain the Senate. They will be able to play that as a win in the same way that they were able to play the tax bill for a win. Not in general, but to their base and to enough uninitiated people that they can coast to a little bit of a victory. I think they've given up on the idea of a supermajority and now think like now accurately guess that they can retain the sort of sliver through gerrymandering and everything else 
that allows them to continue juicing the system until the end of, you know, the end of the empire or time <clears throat> to, um, or whatever. I mean, to sort of, you know, echo the, uh, last, last week's episode that Virgil and I did with, uh, David Ferris. I mean, the, the, the construction of our political system right now is weighted against a more like the majority opinion in this country, which is a bit more at the very least progressive, if not openly left wing than the government by leaps and bounds. But what we're seeing here is that like, you know, one of the, the big, the reasons that's the case is because of the people who actually are supposed to be opposed to Trump in the other party, as in this resistance caucus of liberals who are now not just supporting, but like, like I said, funding the likes of these never Trump Republicans. And it's because essentially they agree with them. Well, yes. I mean, they, they, oh, yeah. they, they share yeah. the same goals as these people, and that is what makes the Democratic Party different than the Republican Party. We talked like, about this before the election about how the Hillary goal, the Hillary Clinton campaign goal, was to unify the Democrats and a significant chunk of the Republicans, the suburban Republicans, the well off Republicans, as one party, and then isolate the racist Nazi fringe as the Republican Party. And and that's and they're still trying but to do it. But also isolate everyone who's to the left of. No, well, I mean, not isolate. They're just hostages. That's well, yeah, the thing. Yeah. They have nowhere else to go. Or Your only option to, is to, Nazis. You have to vote. Yeah, to you neutralize want the Nazis them in completely. There? Right. Yeah, because you just create a big enough tent, and that was the goal. And they thought they could. It would get them the White House. Uh, oops. But now. This is proof that they're continuing the goal. Right. That that's still on the agenda is turning turning the Democratic Party into the broad neoliberal party for everyone who is not a explicit frothing racist. And uh, so just going on here in this article, it says here, while this network has mostly eschewed electoral politics, some involved see the potential for it to help form an ideological and possibly financial platform to back candidates, including a centrist challenge to Mr. Trump in 2020, possibly, oh, from, go good. possibly from within the GOP Hell or yes. even a third party. Let's do it. Do yeah. it. Do that, it. Wow. That's, that would be really threatening to <laughs> Trump if you did that. God, I want to see John Kasich get 1% in the Iowa caucus. Marcus. Man, that's genius. Remember last time when no one in the Republican Party ran against him? <laughs> but it goes, uh, the network composed of overlapping groups led by Democrats such as the donor uh, Rachel Pritzker and several veteran Obama administration operatives, as well as never Trump Republicans like Evan McMullen, Mindy Finn, and oh, here he is again, everybody, William Crystal. There's Oof. too much star power in that. Yeah. Movie. They, Sex appeal off the yin yang. They end Mindy Finn. <laughs> they aim to chart a middle path between a Republican base falling in line behind Mr. Trump and a liberal resistance trying to pull the Democratic Party left. So what? Seven people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you're a Republican who is concerned about the health of the liberal order and alarmed over the destruction of the norms of American democracy, oh. there's no reason you shouldn't be willing to work with a Democrat who is equally concerned about those matters, said Jerry Taylor, a Republican who is president of the Niskanen Center, a moderate think tank that grew out of the libertarian Cato Institute. Oh. This, is, this, is a, this is a fucking tumor that was removed from the Cato Institute. <laughs> and now it's a think tank that, with, uh, that houses four people. The it's Cato Institute, vat from which Prince is of Darkness. Like a daycare for, for guys who wear walking capes. We're like, these guys are too fucked up to hang out with us. Who are the Cato Institute moderates? People who think the 
Civil Rights Act should not have been passed, but if you want to form your own Civil Rights Act, you're more than welcome to enter into a compact. No, it's uh, it's universal health care, but it's just weed. Just medicinal weed for everybody. That's all you get. I, I have really good news for Jerry, the libertarian bad boy outcast. Um, <laughs> you, you can very easily find Republicans who are concerned about the fall of the liberal order and will work the Democrats to preserve this nebulous goal. Every single one of them has columns in the three major American newspapers. You can find all of them. It's an amorphous, somewhat secretive effort, partly because some participants fear Mr. Trump and his allies would brand never Trump Republicans as pawns of the Democrats. Uh, that's exactly the wrong uh, assessment to make of this. They, the, the Democrats here are absolutely being pawns of Republicans. Well, I mean, they're they're doing they're doing what they want to do. I mean, they're the 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 thing you have to get away from is the idea that these people have any real policy goals. Yeah. They don't care about that. They want to maintain control over a party. They want to maintain these donors want to maintain their status and their wealth. They want to shape uh popular energy and, and opposition to to a unacceptable and grinding status quo. Yeah. They do not give a shit about getting anything done. They only want to maintain power, and 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 uh, uh, an alliance with these suburban Republicans strengthens their hand. Uh, well, you know, something to be said for the idea that a a not insignificant percentage of the ruling class accurately sees Trump for what he is—a perhaps mortal threat to the current order, perhaps due to his own corruption or his bungling or even his uh, essentially stated goals of what fomenting a race war basically yeah. and they as you said matt they want to you know maintain this uh you know crooked creaking status quo that benefits them and all members of their class so there's no uh ideology behind that there's no political platform behind that well here, here's another funny gem from this article uh the niskanen center hosts a semi-monthly invitation-only gathering of Trump critics called The Meeting of the Concerned. Oh, God. <laughs> Which attendees are asked to keep confidential. The Concerned. Meeting of the Concerned. Oh, my Lord. Uh, that, they're so just spitting hot fire. What, what appeals to Americans more than behaving exactly like Helen Lovejoy? Yes, they all, they all communicate uh by looking, squinting through their fucking Venetian blinds at each other. Even even more repulsive than the meeting of the concerned is a gathering that has been convened by uh, Ms. Pritzker called Patriots and Pragmatists. That's my favorite December album. <laughs> <laughs> it says, the discussions at Patriots and Pragmatists meetings are intended to focus on big picture topics related to democracy. At those meetings, you uh, have a color-coded handkerchief to show people if you're a patriot or if you're a pragmatist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, patriots, pragmatists, and piss pigs. <laughs> uh, uh, it says uh, so they're focusing on big picture to topics rather than on elections or political funding. Nonetheless, some see the coalition as having the potential to bring the same kind of financial firepower to an anti-Trump centrist movement as the Democracy Alliance brought to the left. Its efforts were described by a dozen people familiar with the group who spoke anonymously to describe the private discussions. <laughs> I, love, I love how afraid these people are of like that someone will find out that they don't like Donald Trump. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's going to be like, like one Valkyrie. Of the least popular people in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they don't they're aware the Republicans anyway that it's his party now, and these guys they don't want to make the jump to the Democrats yet. I mean, they might be forced to make that decision relatively shortly because it's his party. It's it's all it's all over. They lost. Yep. They're not getting it back. There's no, no fucking launching Jeff Flake out of a catapult at Trump for the 2020 primary isn't going to fucking do anything. Well, it also says here they have attracted big name Republican and conservative thinkers, writers and operatives, including uh, legal analyst uh, Benjamin Witts. Ooh, no, what? Far- Benjamin Witts. Foreign policy. You got ho- him? Foreign, pol- foreign policy hawks Mona Charon, David Ufram, Robert Kagan, Mr. Crystal, and Jennifer Rubin. So all- that, that last lineup, I was just imagining all of them just like a, going down the line roster, but on a brick wall in front of a firing squad. Yeah, that would. That, be- that's how I think about yeah, those people. Those would be, those people would be if there if America ever got as it should be invaded and overthrown by the forces of the global uh, proletariat. And there were like Nuremberg trials for America. Like the th- the third batch of trials would include every name on that list. Oh yeah, I um I, I have never really done the childish exercise of uh, you know what superpower would you have, but now I am, and that superpower would be to make a gas leak occur in any building I thought of. <laughs> but those people. The one thing they all have in common is that they love, they goddamn love foreign interventions and American warfare. Well, this is the thing, like, I, I, for, for the Kagans and the Crystals and the Mona Charons and the Jennifer Rubens of the world, the diehard, you know, neoconservatives who really don't really give a shit about domestic politics nope. at all. They're, they're willing to, they're willing to have, you know, abortions get outlawed or, you know, or Im- made mandatory. Im- or, they don't care. Or, yeah, or legal or immigrants rounded up. Or immigrants given jobs uh, over, uh, you know, more qualified people. Or drafted a, into the army, yeah, they ideally. Don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck one way or the other. But it was clear that these people felt very threatened by Trump because, as we remembered on the campaign, he fucking owned Jeb Bush by saying the Iraq war was a joke. Yeah. It wasn't even a victory. And yeah. he said, how stupid are we that we decided to do yeah. all, the, all the wars that these people wanted? But what the fuck? Like, maybe they were scared for, like, a month or two after he took office. But look who he's got. John Bolton is his national security yeah. advisor now. We're closer to a war with Iran now than we ever were in the Bush administration. Yes. And it's just like, I don't understand what they're complaining about. Do they have to keep up the charade? As soon as he fucking commits to a war with Iran, they're going to have to start kissing his ass. Presumably. Just like oh, yeah, did, that would do it. Ju- just like they did when... Nikki Haley made her first speech about how bad Iran was at the UN. I mean, they get to have their cake and eat it too with Nikki Haley because they get to pretend like it's just this amazing lady who goes to work for America at the UN who somehow doesn't work for Donald Trump. But that's just, that's just them sort of prepping themselves for if the Republicans somehow like really hold on this fall, they're just going, yeah, they're going to rationalize it full time. I mean, I'd say already half of these fucking freaks already have. Ben Shapiro did. It seems like a impossible false memory now, but Ben Shapiro was a big Never Trump guy. Oh, yeah. He saw the writing on the wall. He still fucking is, though. Well, he claims to be, he but half like, his shit is defending Trump yeah, he def- now. Exactly. Ben Shapiro's thing now is like, He'll, he'll point at someone being angry at something Trump's did. That's why we had Trump. And he goes, this is why Trump is winning. This yeah. is why we're, he'll win again. Yeah. So, like, 
Yeah, he, like all he does is defend Trump and, and tell people who are critics of Trump that their criticism of Trump is why Trump is president. But here's, here's my response to that. You want to know why Trump is president and why he's going to win again? Look no further than patriots and pragmatists. Yes. Virgil, I think, you know, when this story came out, I think you had a very good comment on it where you said, if anyone wants to know who your enemy is, it's these people. Yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. got mad about that. Really? Why? Well, actually, my enemy is Donald Trump. These people are no different than Donald Trump. And these people gave you Donald fucking Trump and will give you Donald Trump too. Electric Boogaloo, the fucking irradiated corpse of Father Coughlin or whoever the fuck gets coughed out of the bog when the next time this happens. Because as long as you're defending this undefensible status quo, you are leaving the field open for demagogues and maniacs to fucking uh, whip up people's frustration. And it will always work because everyone is brutally alienated from a fucking status quo that does nothing for them. And they have no commitments towards, they have no investment in any of these norms or anything. They'd fucking, they'd be down with a military coup. Honestly, at this point, most enough people would well, be. If you, you see poll after poll saying that still the institution that has the highest yes. amount of trust in American life is the army. Well, you know, no, I should have asked that question in the poll. You should have. Because honestly, I am fairly convinced that if we had a fucking guy show up on TV and say, hi, I'm General Killmonger and uh, we're in charge now. Uh, I mean, under Trump, you might get some pissed off uh, conservatives for a while, but a lot of them would be mollified by the fucking bars on his shoulders. And I'd say most cons- most liberals would be like, well, thank God Trump's done taken care of. We're, we're, we're defended from him. But when we when we have like no, there's no confidence in any American institution except the military how is that sustainable in the long term for a political fucking system to have you know what's really sad the actual saddest thing if mishima had just been born in america (laughs) he wouldn't have had to kill himself like he would have succeeded everyone would have been like you're right we should have a military emperor forever and he could have lived he would have been happy yeah, uh, to be fair, though, Mishima tried to give his speech to, like, actual soldiers who laughed at him, and I'm finding it very hard that, like, an, a <laughs> sort of semi-obscure novelist and playwright could give a speech, even a fascistic one, to American soldiers and not also be laughed yeah. out of the... <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? Do you see what our soldiers signed up from, that Marine Corps ad where the guy fights a dragon with a sword? Well, I'm saying is Mishima's a little bit more cerebral than that, you know? Nah, dude, if Mishima just had... Like modern Mishima would have like played like a Creed song and had like a light show and our soldiers would be like, oh, this guy fucking rocks. This guy knows about breaking Benjamin. (laughs) Come with me, my soldiers. Rise up and together we truly will be avenged sevenfold. (laughs) Anyway, but like I I just the the thing that annoys me back to the, the Shapiro thing, a guy who is in every way as racist and deranged as Donald Trump believes all the same thing he does, mm-hmm. except, you know, that he's, that, I don't know, Donald, he doesn't like that Donald Trump cheats on his wife or something. Is that what he thinks makes him bad? I don't fucking know. But this, 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 this can't that we hear over and over again is, this is why we got Trump. Yeah. This is the reason we have Trump. This is the reason people are uh, turning into Nazis. It's just like, you know what? Uh, I, th- 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 I hate it so much because I can tell people fall for it. Yeah, like like liberals are such fucking easy marks for this because they are always in the back of their mind. They're like, I don't want to be the thing I hate. Yeah, and it's just like, hmm. In today's uh, advice from your mortal enemies, uh, I think I'll, I think I will paint this fence for them. It's fun, <laughs> you know. And it's just like, how about um, 
you, you like concern yourself with uh, loving your enemies or giving them advice. I'll be concerned with destroying mine. I mean, like the, the goal here should be to defeat them completely or p- neutralize them as a politi- political force in this country. I'm talking about the right. Yeah. Not to fucking take advice on how to be nicer to them so that they'll be nice. The, the, that's, that's the fucked up thing. That's what they're implying. They're like, if only you stop being nicer to us, we'll be nicer to you. Yeah. Which we know for a fact isn't fucking true. Because these, the are, entire- these are people who are by their nature... What they believe in, their morality is based on hierarchy, cruelty, and sadism. Yes. This is what they enjoy. Yeah. They enjoy having power over people they feel superior to. Yes. They feel superior to you, and what they want from you is your fealty. Yes. Even in, in opposition to that. And we know for a fact that, that they don't follow any of this meaningfully because as much as they complain oh you're calling us nazis it's it's driving people to the right and it's and it's and it's deranging our our body politic they fucking ran campaigns against milk toast centrists like john Kerry that made him to be a fucking uh communist brainwashed america hating traitor they don't they've never gave a shit about that they always found any reason to vilify their opponents regardless of how obsequious they were there they was never in response to some sort of liberal uh unreasonableness it was the existence of a liberal opposition at all that's what drives them insane and it always will dinesh d'souza has literally like made tweets where he said michelle obama is a man yes like he has done the moo shell thing oh god i mean how how the hell do you live through eight years of obama and these people chewing their own brains out thinking about this muslim kenyan terrorist and his transgendered wife in the white house the white house that they don't belong in the, the white house that they've turned into the black house when, and, and all, every fucking local comptroller and county sheriff sending out memes with with the fucking watermelons in yeah, the fucking yeah. ro- rose garden and stuff what the hell did the obamas do for eight years to provoke that other than accommodate and kiss ass and try to bridge the gap and that's what they got for their response and now we're supposed to think that now that we've got what feels like an emergency of a real rising tide of hard nationalism and a real embrace of violence as for its own sake on the right well you can't talk about that because it's going to make it's going to hurt their feelings and it's going to make them uh, more hostile to you they couldn't be more hostile to you it's impossible and you know and did you guys did you guys see the thing this week where it's apparently Ben Rhodes has a memoir coming out and excerpts of it have leaked. And there's a scene where he talks about like Obama. They're like in a limo together, like like dealing with the 2016 election and the fact that Trump and like Obama was like literally like, uh, let me be clear. Uh, could it be that we were wrong all along? What Obama was saying in that limo was like, you know, racism and tribalism aside, we beat Hillary Clinton in 2008 running the same campaign Donald Trump did, which was to paint her as a corrupt insider who was incapable of delivering the kind of political change that was needed in people's lives to make a difference in this country. Yeah. And they were right then. And they should have like, we all should have fucking known better that uh, Donald, you know, that that campaign would have worked against her again in 2016 because it's correct. Yes. 
because it's accurate. Yeah. You know, regardless of the vessel in which it came in. And then, of course, with Donald Trump, there's the added, like, you know, just outright racism and nativism of, you know, promising to ethnically cleanse America and that you know, rapists and animals and things like that. Which makes their decision to clear the runway for her eight all years later more, insane all the more absolute malpractice just absolutely immoral just pure disaster again i feel like we've uh we've we've talked of like this is just variations on a theme that comes up over and over again on our show which is that like as long as the resistance to donald trump is led by the people who are currently in charge of it there will be no resistance to donald trump no. it's wholly inadequate to affect the reality that we live in yeah doomed uh that being said it is again 100 percent okay to make fun of donald trump or any of his family members or anyone in his cabinet and their family members it doesn't it does not matter they are all vile people oh, yeah. who deserve every bit of shame humiliation and just outright insult that comes across them samantha be- b you have not told a joke in 12 years. You should not have apologized for calling Ivanka. Did she apologize? Yep. Gutless. Gutless. Yo. Well, the White House is still calling for the, sh- the show to be canceled. Oh, the White House I is love, officially demanding that they cancel Media a fucking bitch. TV show. Uh, well, he's such a Long Island like Jap mom. He doesn't give a shit about any of his kids except Ivanka. But with her, he's like a protective Long Island Jewish matriarch. Well, you know who has Can come out to condemn. Can you believe what they said about my daughter? But you know who has co- has come out to also condemn Sam B. I just found out Chelsea Clinton. Oh, <laughs> oh you fucking nerd! Oh, you God. fucking nerd! Oh, like, Chelsea, they called you a fucking dog your entire life. They're never going to like you. You fucking dope. Well, Chelsea was a. <laughs> Chelsea was a kid oh, in the White House. These are, a, these are adults. She's yeah. like 35 years old. She's in charge of half of the fucking portfolios in the White House. <laughs> and, and by the way, by the way, the actual context that Samantha B. called her a cunt was uh, the fact that like on the same weekend that they announced their new policy of uh, literally rending infants from the arms of their mothers and putting them in, like we've said, privately run concentration camps, Ivanka chose that weekend, you know, as this like nightmare is being carried out to uh, release a charming photo of her with her baby or by part of her like maternal health care or education initiative where she said like no mother should be away from their child or some bullshit like that. Her family leave plan, her bullshit tax credit for family leave plan. And I'm sorry, in that in that context or any other, it's entirely appropriate to insult her. She's a fucking adult. She's made a conscious moral decision to enable her father and this administration Fuck Chelsea Clinton, all of these people, all these people trying to make like these morals and, and, you know, uh, arguments about propriety. Once you pass a certain threshold of evil, it's okay to be mean to you. Not only is it okay to be mean to you, it's like morally uh, imperative that you do. Yeah. That you should make their lives uncomfortable as possible to the extent that you can. Is an absolute fucking cunt. And if you want to fuck with me, you want to start a harassment campaign against me, you want to get me fired, my name is Kevin Drum, and I work for Mother Jones. <laughs> um, oh, uh, before we go, and this is, a, this, is a, this is a great segue that I'm sure she'll appreciate, I do want to give a shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Elena Smith, on the announcement of her new television series. Hmm. 
for Apple TV that is a comedy series based on the life of Emily Dickinson, starring Oscar-nominated Haley Steinfeld, star oh. of the Coen Brothers' True Grit, playing the young Emily Dickinson. It's a period piece, but it's like a fo- funny modern comedy. I read the pilot. It's very funny. Uh, we are very looking forward to seeing it. Elena, congratulations on the show. All right. And on the birth of your twins. Elena, just killing it in every regard. Hey, Elena, have two significant, incredible life milestones very close together. Much. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait for Elena to come on the Fortnite stream. <laughs> Well, my mom, my mom may be the first woman on the Fortnite stream. We don't know. Well, I think my she mom gets, has announced uh, her intentions to do this. That is going to be hilarious. Actually, that that is yeah. great. Um, so what do you say, guys? Till next time. Yeah. Till next time. Bye. Cheers. Bye.